0: Welcome to the Untitled Art Podcast, recorded live at the 12th edition of Untitled Art in Miami Beach. My name is Clara de Pereira, Untitled's Director of Development and Curatorial Affairs. I am thrilled to be introducing this panel discussion framed within this year's prize and programming partnership with Next Haven. As part of this special and unique collaboration, we are delighted to welcome Next Haven to our next sector. Do not miss visiting their booth at a10, showcasing the work of their fellowship resident artists. In addition to the Next Caving Visiting Artist Prize, which awards a two-month residency and an exhibition to an artist exhibiting at this year's edition, I am very happy to already announce uh, that this year's awardee was uh, Aguilda Sterling Dupre presented by El Kilometro. Puerto Rican artists uh, with with a very interesting uh, performative and mixed media practice. Today's panel, art on, um, and bail navigating the ecosystem and crea- of creativity, is moderated by Marisa Del Toro, Assistant Director of Exhibitions and Programs at Next Haven. Del Toro is also a co-founder of Museums Moving Forward, and is currently involved with the editorial board. Previously. She served as a 2021-2022 curatorial fellow at Next Haven and as the 2018-2020 Diversifying Art Museum Leadership Initiative curatorial fellow at Phoenix Art Museum. It's a long one. (laughs) With no further ado, I hand over the mic to Marisa. I want to, again, thank uh, the Next Haven team for their support and for being part of Untitled Art. And to all of you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, Clara. And
1: Untitled for inviting us to take part in this partnership and giving us the platform to speak and highlight some of our amazing alum that we love to discuss and promote. Um, and thank you all to the audience for coming out and listening to us today. I'm very excited to introduce Jeffrey Maris and Alyssa Clower as we talk and discuss um, our creative journeys since completing our respective Next Haven fellowships in 2021 and 2022, and just the post fellowship life, um, how it is navigating the vibrant art ecosystem and the ever evolving expressions of artistic liberation. So to start, I'll be reading Jeffrey's bio. Jeffrey Maris, born in Haiti, lives and works in New York. He is a multidisciplinary artist whose practice engages with the relationship between materiality and larger cultural and social phenomenon, working across sculpture, installation, performance, and drawing. Maris's work considers ecology, embodiment, and various lived experiences while healing deeply personal and historical wounds. Maris earned an AA in Arts and Crafts from the University of the Bahamas in 2012, a BFA in a Sculpture from the Tyler School of Art in 2015, and an MFA and visual arts from columbia university in 2019. maris has exhibited at numerous institutions including the newcomb art museum new orleans amon carter museum lehman mappen white columns the national gallery of the bahamas maris is a 2019 scowhegan school of painting and sculpture alum a 2020 next haven studio fellow a 2021 sharp walenta studio program artist in residence a 2022-23 Studio Museum in Harlem Artist-in-Residence, and a 2023 Paula Krasner Foundation awardee. Alyssa Clower is a painter based in Brooklyn, New York. She received her BFA from the Maryland Institute College of Art in 2017 and her MFA from the Cranbrook Academy of Art in 2019. Clower has been awarded the 2021 Toy Foundation Fellowship alongside the 2021-2022 Next Haven Studio Fellowship. She was also a 2022 MOCA Cleveland Toby's Prize nominee. Her work has been exhibited at the Museum of Mies, the Museums in Seattle, Frederick's and Fraser Gallery, 1969 Gallery, and Sean Kelly Gallery in New York, among others. She has attended residencies at the La Brea Studio Artist Residency, Palazzo Monti, Art Cake, Vermont Studio Center, Adhiso Contemporary, Grin City Collective, the Choctaw Institute, and NYU Steinhardt. Her work meditates on queer time, the idea that queer individuals often experience a delayed or second adolescence when encountering time-bending experiences such as coming out later in life. Wow. You both have such (laughs) impressive (laughs) careers, that was a lot. Um, And I, you know, Jeffrey, you started this question before you got up here, so let's like, let's have a moment. Yeah, yeah. What color is our heart feeling today?
2: I'm. Thank, first off, thank you for having me. It's such an honor to come back to Next Haven and to be in community. My heart is feeling purple. Purple is my favorite color. I feel happy.
1: Purple's beautiful. That's a wonderful color.
2: What color is your heart? Marissa? My
1: heart's actually changing. I said orange. Um, I'm feeling a little green. <laughs> so, Alyssa. Uh, mine's fluorescent pink. I'm just. I'm happy. Excited. Thankful as well. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay. First, I want to open the conversation for you both to share a little bit about your practices. Um, Jeffrey, could you talk about your current work on View at MoMA PS1 or your Open Call the Shed? Um, especially interested in your body sculpture cast and the plant performance that I know we need to discuss.
2: Sure. <laughs> so I did Next Haven in 2020 and When I lived in New Haven, this was just before the pandemic, a lot of my interest was around my body and lived experiences. I was thinking deeply about what it means to appear in the world the way that I am, six foot two, 185 pounds of African African ancestry. What are the preconceptions around my body and around selfhood that I can't control? And I really was thinking about it from this hegemonic lens. And I realized that that wasn't the most holistic space to be in. And so this really beautiful thing happened in 2020 where my work started to think not only about that trauma, but also thinking about ways in which I can be generative and provide a safe space for myself and really thinking about my work through the lens of care. And so over the last three years, that's the ways in which my work has developed and evolved. It still has this lens of really thinking about deeply about my body and about the ways in which I move through the world and thinking about subjectivity, but also thinking about care, thinking about ways in which I can be generative in my practice. One of the projects that I developed while I was at Next Haven was Self-Care Saturday. And really, it started off as a joke. An idea was that... I wanted to care for myself deeply. And so I started buying all of these plants and doing all these fancy face masks and drinking lots of wine and cooking delicious foods. And slowly, especially the plant practice became central to my career. I started making these sculptures where I started incorporating plants into them. And so what does it mean to live with art that you have to care for? And what are ways in which caring for art can mirror caring for the self and so I now live in New York and my apartment in New York doesn't have a lot of sunlight and (laughs) my apartment in New York doesn't have a lot of sunlight and I moved from New Haven the land of all day sun and lots of space and I had to be pragmatic and think on my toes and so I developed this practice where I actually walk my plants uh, and and it, again, started off as a simple idea, right? I think that art asks questions and design proposes those answers. And so that's one way in which my practice is situated and has also evolved. Thank you.
1: Yeah, and I, I know um, I was a cohort after your cohort, and I think I inherited some of your terracotta pot plants and started my own plant baby as a form of care in a way so I love that continuation and inheritance so thank you for that and I've seen the pics of like even Merrick I know um (laughs) walking your orchid around the block so that's been amazing um Alyssa could you share um about your work style and your techniques and the narrative um, specifically on the works um, that we have up in the booth, A10 for Next Haven here Untitled.
3: Yeah. So um, the works that are featured in the booth um, feature two different motifs that I started developing at Next Haven. Um, In each work, you'll see a kind of phantom-like portrait I call the dreamer. Um, So the rest of the paintings I see as um, being generated by the dreamer um, so when you realize you're having a dream you're kind of watching for a plane removed um, and the second motif are um, shadowy women and girls um, in various um, kind of fantastical settings um, looking at this with the lens of um queer time, a delayed or second adolescence, that I've experienced as a queer person who came out later in life. Um, So in the booth, there's three different paintings. Um, One is um, called Ice Skating Fantasy. Um, It's kind of self-explanatory, but you'll see in the booth it's um, a lot of tenderness and joy and longing in the work. And um, another work was um, February Morning to Valentine, Thinking about abstraction in the field of um, like paper cut valentines. Um, so there's figuration in that, abstraction in that. Um, and then a small painting called Birthday Meltdown.
2: Uh- <laughs> I love these titles. <laughs> it's
3: so fun. You've, you guys should, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you need you to, go to the booth. You
2: need to ch- go to the booth and go
3: check the out
1: room. the work because <laughs> the titles and the painting themselves, yeah, it explains it all.
3: Yeah. um, So, again, similar. I was um, for that thinking about there's like a pack of candles you can get like at the grocery store and there's like pink and white striped candle. And then I was thinking also about like um, Snow White's Poison Apple, like uh, melting and aging humor, you know.
1: Also, I feel like we are very lucky with the booth we have the placement of it, the light we're getting because also the way it transforms you're painting the colors themselves, um, you know, seeing the progression throughout the day. Like you're, I think it's February, Valentine too. It transforms from blue to green to more like fluorescent yellows and it's a beautiful just happenstance to like encounter. So, you know, we'll talk more about the colors if you want to say anything though.
4: Um,
3: I'll just... Would add that, like, yeah, all the paintings have like iridescent elements, like matte elements, metallic elements. So even depending on like where your body is and like the different light of the day, they do change a lot. So oh, no, I was very happy when I heard that from you. I was like, Yay!
1: <laughs> okay, now let's get into it. Can we talk about the art world realities? Like, how do we stay grounded amongst all the forward-facing? realities of being an artist, um, myself a curator, you know for you all it's art making, going to openings, fairs um, but also the back end of being your own at times administrator um, studio management also moving I know Jeffrey we had like a pre-call and you were like I'm in a U-haul truck right now. <laughs> so how do we stay grant grounded you know Jeffrey, you've had some major experiences with the studio museum opening. Um the Shed Open Call group exhibition and congratulations on those. Thank you. Alyssa, you just had a ton of residencies this past year. Los Angeles, Venice, um Mexico, and then also, you know, exhibitions in New York, LA, and Hong Kong. So, what do you all do to stay grounded?
2: I this is a really tough question. But I think it's really This is where this idea of community becomes extremely important. Who are the people that you're surrounding yourself with and how are they showing up in your life? And that's not in a transactional sense, but more so so does that mean checking in with your friends every now and again, right? Does that look like saying no to certain events or saying no to certain opportunities, right? I, I think that... Over time, the thing that I'm realizing is that just as much as yes, just as important as it is to build out a CV, it's also important to build out your life and build out boundaries, right? It's equally as important to say no to things, right? There's there's power in no, just as much as there's power in yes. Absolutely, yes. No's a big,
1: big and at times hard reality to um, and boundary to like enforce and implement, but it's so needed.
2: Right. I I also think that you just won't align with every opportunity that comes your way. Right. Certain galleries, you might realize that your politics are just not aligning. Right. Certain aesthetic movements just might not be for you. Certain collectors. Right. So I think there's this this question of discernment. I'm gonna let out one of my little secrets. I <laughs> I created this alter ego and she she handles the admin side of my world, right? That way there's a nice off and on switch. I won't say her name, just so y'all don't know. But she the, the really tough conversations, right? Having to talk strictly business, right? Or having to stand up for myself in a way that at times could feel uncomfortable. I let her deal with those.
1: No, that's amazing and like very much needed. Um, tapping into those alter egos just as a force of power, especially when you need it, and yeah, and also I think just adding the nose. I like to think for my nose. Sometimes I'm like, maybe not right now, but here's someone else that I think would also be great. Powerful. Yeah, and like I think in the sense caring for others and growing it. Um, Alyssa, what about you? I I feel like my whole career this is my
3: second year as a full-time artist um congratulations thank you um i appreciate it i um don't have representation from a gallery um by choice um i i get like and that's
2: because you're self-represented yes yeah Yeah. you are represented
3: because like the the no is the most important it's just become the most important thing um in retrospect for me um like staying grounded, I think for me is like, I know exactly what I want. And I have like very certain like values to like protect my practice and my work and like my, you know, spirit. Um, it's just like, it's can be really challenging um, to kind of like keep your like self-respect going in the art world, like with who you interact with. And um, yeah, I got like a ton of like offers, people wanting to do shows with me and I'm like, none of this is what I want to do and I can feel in like my gut like the gut instinct is huge to staying grounded like you know what I'm just gonna like do this on my own and it kind of turned into me like yeah doing a ton of residencies and traveling and like making work on site for exhibitions and um just doing like a ton of studio visits and like reaching out to people who I actually want to like work with
2: yeah yeah
1: and it's so important to like listen to your gut and your instincts, your intuition. Um, mm-hmm. I know like every time like I try to divert from it, it always catches up to me in the end. So it's like, might as well just nip it in the bud at the head
0: <laughs> yeah. and
1: go with it. Because it, my body, our senses know what we're doing and mm-hmm. know what's safe for us.
4: Yeah.
1: Um, what are some art world lessons... jeffrey this is also you not looking at you but that you recently you know gained
2: (laughs) wow wow i think a lot of people in the audience probably know the answer to this question already for me but it's so strange how you think about growth as being asymmetrical we think that success is just The things that we highlight on our CV, when in actuality, we're omitting a big part of it, right? Because nobody talks about legal issues, for instance, right? A few weeks ago, months now, I found myself in two lawsuits, right? Uh,
1: I bet that was also jarring. Like, just, I mean, I've never been in, but like, knock on wood, that never happened. But it can be scary.
2: Yeah, yeah. And every artist listening to this, art world professionals, I highly, highly recommend, before you invest in those fancy shoes, get a lawyer on a routine, right? Start to think about what the legal ramifications of your practice are, right? Or even just being alive, right? Because these things are gonna happen, you know, and this is also America, you know, guns, beer, democracy, and lawsuits, Uh, but, I found myself in a situation where I was about to rent a studio and the way the world works I ended up getting a better offer and landlord pressures me into sending money to landlord's bank account no lease signed and that was in my favor right because had I signed that lease I would have been obligated to pay in that rent for the term of lease right so no lease signed and i sent a heap of money to him i mean this is a double-edged sword because on the one hand great that i didn't sign a lease but then at the same time who sends money to people without some form of agreement
1: but we all know like how the precarity
2: of finding a studio especially yeah. in
1: new york or their major metropolitans y- be. yeah and want to so- jump at it
2: I ended up having to get a lawyer. I was, thankfully, I was supported by VLA, Volunteer Lawyers for the Arts. If you're an artist, I highly recommend becoming a member. Represented pro bono, and I got my money back. But the stress I could have done without two and a half months of stress, you know? And also in this economy where it's almost impossible to sell art these days, imagine someone just trying to take multiple thousands of dollars away from you.
1: No, that's terrible but i'm so glad it worked out and i'm glad the volunteer lawyers for the arts were there to support you mm-hmm. and like guide you through this process you know and I yeah
2: and i i think that just being an artist you know i i you often have people talk about how easy it is to be an artist or how much how this life is supposed to be a free-flowing, free-spirited sort of lifestyle. And it's absolutely not, because you have to manage your studio, you have to order materials, you have to pay all these bills, take care of yourself, survive the craziness of being alive as a human in 2023. Plus your plant babies. You know, and take care of plants. We can't forget the plants. But I'm gonna turn it over to you. What's going on in your life?
3: can you refresh me on the question
4: (laughs) we have gone so far
1: yes um so what was any art world lesson that you feel like you've gained recently or encountered um that you you know
3: um for me i'm always like my mantra is like expect the unexpected
1: yeah very true
3: um like i feel like i'm just constantly pivoting um and i i'm definitely like a catastrophic thinker (laughs) But I always, like, there's always
1: a solution. Which I love and appreciate about you, so.
3: A worst-case scenario. So, like, things usually go better. Just like, not a great mindset. <laughs> but, um, no, it's just, like, people really, really surprise me in, like, super negative ways and then also super positive ways as well. So, yeah, I, I try to tell myself, I guess my lesson is, like, keep like going through the issue or the event or the person or whatever, because it'll continually evolve. You just kind of have to
1: wait it out a bit sometimes. Yeah. And push,
2: keep pushing. I, I think also artists, I think artists need to learn to see themselves as business people just as much as we see ourselves as creatives. And that's not to say that you should just go out and, put everything outside of your front lawn on a lemonade stand. <laughs> but nonetheless, we are business people, right? And so our business practices need to reflect business thinking, right? Well, you know, t- not everyone that shows up to your studio to buy your art has good in- intentions. Yes, so absolutely. So you have to do your homework. If you're an artist that's representing yourself, that's selling your own art, before you sell something to someone, you don't just... Go ahead and sell because not everyone has good intentions. Unfortunately, I had my first work flipped this year. Oh, and that's a terrible feeling. That is right?
1: terrible. I'm so sorry. And it is, I think you're you hitting the nail on the head and it's absolutely right. Like, um, you know, I think that's like what the power of Next Haven, like the lessons we learned, like we learned, I learned from there was like knowing what the art world business is like, how, mm-hmm. you know, and it doesn't mean you can navigate it however you want. But as long as you have that knowledge, um, that's the main part. Because we are, whether we like to act like it or not, we're a business. Even myself as a curator, you know, my big lesson this year was taxes. You know? say more. <laughs> I got some money this year and I had to pay it back, you know. <laughs> so thankfully, I had sound mind to save throughout the year. Mm-hmm. But I think I had a tax bill of 10, 10 grand off the top it was like i'm sorry fun so um yeah just keep in mind and like now i have um a really good accountant too that's helped a lot Mm -hmm. but just like realizing what those business practices involve like what can count as a tax write-off you know also like 401k or ira you know starting that for myself so like when i am older and i always emphasize with artists too to think about long-term game
2: yep think about health insurance i'm yes one of the things that literally make my brain want to explode is when i meet artists who are doing really well financially and you know and they're on every artsy list and everything they don't have health insurance yeah to me that's that's crazy
1: i know i know i would love when the u.s gets you know universal health care but I mean, that's a big <laughs> for now <laughs> that's a sign up for discussion. obamacare you know get it enrolled it's so important because mm-hmm. It really hurts when I see a lot of colleagues, loved ones, friends um, and even family who don't have health insurance and struggling, you know, because you never know and expect the unexpected, like Alyssa was saying.
3: Yeah. Um, I I also wanted to say in terms of like business for me, like getting super like in tune with like budgeting, um, because then you kind of have like, can I say bad words?
2: let's not yeah as long Uh, as you uh, have the mic uh, close okay cool got
3: it um like the fuck you fund of like i could say no to so many things i didn't feel great about doing because i had like saved the nest egg you know super it was in tune with like my finances because you know i also was like you know you get the 10k tax bill and you're like okay i have it like i'm good i um but yeah for me that's been super helpful to like you know have more autonomy over my practice.
1: Absolutely. So start your IRA, your fuck you fund, and your (laughs) nest egg. Um, So we're nearing the end, but I do want to ask... Oh, we have so many questions that we didn't get to, but... um, Oh, we do? Okay. What was the influence of residency programs within each of your practices, especially as sites and platforms for you to find community and flourish creatively? And yeah, can you talk about how Residencies have shaped your practices and since then, too?
2: Yeah, I, I think I've done a long <laughs> run. <laughs> so I could start with where I am now. Yes. I just finished the Studio Museum in Harlem 2022-2023 Artists in Residence Cohort. And where I am in this very moment, in this space, well, maybe not in this space, but in New York City, is that I am residencyed out. There comes I a moment. don't want to do another one. After I got Studio Museum, I said that I'm done. I'm not applying to anything, and I didn't. And so now I'm thinking about myself as a practicing artist that runs an autonomous studio, but for a long time I depended on residencies to give me space, to give me resources, to allow me the autonomy, to not have to depend on having a day job. I can just go to a studio and make work and not really think about the pressures of having to go to work to be able to fund or finance a studio practice, which I'll also add that if you're doing that, that's okay too. I think that's a way of developing a practice. But different residencies has given me different things. My very first residency I did was actually in the Bahamas, my hometown, wow. Pop-Up Studios Junior Residency in 2009. Shout out to my Bahamians and audience. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that residency was extremely pivotal for me because that was the first time I went to New York City. I went to the Studio Museum in Harlem for the first time in 2009 and some... Twelve years later I'm an artist in residence there. Uh, different residencies have given me different things at different points in my life. Scarhegan really gave me a groundwork network of community and people who it, it also just helped me think through this 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 hyper accelerated experience that I just had in grad school and it gave me the space to unpack that and at the same time allowed me the resources to apply to Next Haven. <laughs> Amazing. And then it Next also gave Haven. you
1: a tattoo, too. It did. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I shared a tattoo with 10 other people in this world. <laughs> kind of a cult, but not really a cult. Uh, and Next Haven was just this completely different experience. I did it in the pandemic and met people who I loved and was really able to develop language. who and what it was that i was saying in my practice Mm -hmm. right Uh, the bedrock of my practice this body of work now you see me now you don't i mostly developed at nexhaven you know it gave me the professional skills in terms of public speaking caring for myself there was tax workshops all these different things and as i went on to move into new york city i feel as though That's where I really started to refine my practice in terms of thinking about myself as an artist in the world. And most recently, the Studio Museum has just been an immense platform and really helped to propel me forward into the world and uh, really have my first major institutional exhibition in New York, which is up until April 8th at the MoMA PS1. Please go see it if you haven't already.
1: It's amazing. I was there last oh, two weeks ago, <laughs> and it's a wonderful exhibition. Congratulations! Thank you. The Thank works you. Are beautiful, Alyssa.
3: Um about you? Residencies. Uh, I think I've done um, like eleven residencies at this woo! point. Like I love and also
1: international.
3: International now. It's I mean, it's so fun. I mean, I think I I believe that. I could only make the work that I made at those residencies because I was in those specific environments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think residencies, like you meet your best friends for me, at least I've met like my closest friends through residencies. Like I'm grateful for our friendships. Yes. Like, you know, Risa gives the best advice. <laughs> She's just, like such a good friend. And I'm like, you know, we well, would have I- never met.
1: I also love your, our meme sharing. So it's, yeah. yeah,
3: we're Thank really you. funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I um have kind of like seen a lot of the world through residencies. I've been um getting these like invitation only residencies where they'll like put you up in a house by yourself and like fund you to create work and I'm like I want to do as many as I can. Um so
2: how was that experience for you? Because I've done one of those and I'm 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 undecided if I like those kinds of residencies.
3: I think it's a huge, I think it could go either really, really well or really, really poorly, kind of depending on, that kind of goes back to the business person of like, Always get your an agreement in writing um, before you go by yourself somewhere.
1: Have a friend look at it too. Yeah, have one of those trusted
2: colleagues or and
3: or talk to a past participant. Um,
2: lawyer? Question mark.
3: <laughs> I, I'm lucky. Nothing like crazy has happened to me besides like sending a sternly worded email. I'm, like, just, I'm <laughs> just
2: joking. I, I feel like my my running joke now is that I have to talk to my lawyer before I order my cup of coffee in the morning. <laughs> um,
3: but I don't know I feel like super grateful to be able to have had all these experiences and it's kind of become like at this point like central to my practice like I'm spending a lot of the time out of the year doing residencies so
1: that's great you know and I know like at, well, while you were at Next and they pushed like I remember Titus pushed you to paint large massively larger than what you were painting which is now like part of our collection um but
2: congratulations just thinking, yeah.
1: We have Alyssa Clower, come to New Haven to see it. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, knowing how like, it's important for residencies, I think, and growing like how you speak about your practice, but also how you do the practice too, you know. Um, do you want to add anything to that Alyssa or?
2: I, I I can add uh, a tiny bit yeah, to yeah. the speak part. I remember, so Titus Kafar, as we all know, is one of the co-founders of Next Haven, along with Jason Price, right? Uh, I remember being at Next Haven, and one of the workshops that we actually did was a public speaking workshop mm-hmm. and where a public speaker from TEDx came and actually gave us a workshop mm-hmm. and gave us these strategies where, because so much of being an artist, a lot of people don't realize this is actually speaking about your work, being able to use language and put things into context. Absolutely, right. One of the things that I picked up is when you when you're speaking, or at least something that I've been paying particular attention to since that moment is when you run into these moments where you about to say, um, uh, which is natural. I'm not knocking anyone that does it, but it's something. I that, think I've
1: done it several that, times in this podcast, so and, apologies, and that's
2: okay, right? <laughs> Because that's your style, and that's how you roll, and I appreciate you and accept you in your fullness. Thank you. But it's something that I've been paying particular attention since that, to since that moment. So it's this moment of learning to slow down, right? And use your words, and look around, and breathe, right? And if something's yes. on your brain, something's on your mind, just
1: breathe. Yeah. I think that's the main one, Yeah, just learning to take a pause. I think that's also like kind of reflective to like our career as well. Um, Yeah, there was, um, (laughs) okay. I think we'll do one more question and then get to Q and A. What does the art community look like today for you and how does it continue to manifest? Like, as we mentioned about the residencies, you know, Alyssa, you've mentioned some of the friendships that you've established along Mm -hmm. with you, Jeffrey too. Yeah, I know you're very close with several cohort members from all the residencies you've done. Yeah. Um, can you just speak about what does the art community look like today for you and how has it stepped in for you too, or have you stepped in for your
2: community? Can you answer this question first? Yeah. Do you mind?
1: <laughs> yes. No. Yeah, for me, I really established in all my fellowships. So I've done a fellowship at Phoenix Art Museum, Next Haven. I was also a grad intern at the Getty Research Work. Institute. Um So I've carried a lot of friendships I've made along the way with me, uh, always checking back in with them, Mm -hmm. going back. I'm going back to Phoenix to check in with my actual friends out there and family, too. I love that. And also uh, bringing them along. Also, I was a a first summer intern at the Latino Museum Studies Program in the Smithsonian. Mm -hmm. And I really established lifelong friendships with those cohort members. They, I invited one, Alex Santana, a fabulous writer, mm-hmm. curator based in New York, to write for the Next Haven Catalog as a guest wow. writer, contributor. I've, I've collaborated with her, um, you know, and also Jamila. We're kind of working on something right now for another curatorial fellowship I'm doing right now. Love. So, yeah, there's a lot. And I'm, I'm a little, I love the k- fellowship, but I think I may, need to, you know, say no in a little bit yeah not yet yeah it's been wonderful those are been like the influential moments for me um having a support system i know i can check in with Mm -hmm. and like even with you jeffrey like i know we're part of the next we weren't the same cohort but just connecting and be like hey yeah i i kind of know you
2: (laughs) yeah no i i think that um, maybe are we segueing into me is that what's happening you know
1: Oh, either or Leslie, you want to take it um
2: no pressure I,
1: well <laughs> I, I was I've been I've been thinking about
3: this um you know we're talking about community and I'm kind of having this really interesting experience where people I've kind of looked at more in like a mentor context or people who I are like I'm a super fan of like other artists are reaching out to me to like because they want to do a studio visit with me and like be my friend which is course they do. Amazing, it's it's like, like I would have like written a paper about you in undergrad. Now <laughs> we're hanging out in the studio. Um, Not and, about
2: to write a paper about you, right? but the New York Times, okay.
3: <laughs> Manifesting, <laughs> um, but I I also think like you know being in New York has been really good for me. um Even if. Like, all of my, like, friends don't live in New York, in the art world. Like, people are always, like, coming through. And, um, yeah, I think for me, just, like, also, for so long, I think I was afraid to just reach out to people. Mm -hmm. And now it's just, like, sending an email to somebody, like, I love this show you curated. It made me feel, like, XYZ. And then they're, like, oh, can I come to your studio? And then we're, like, you know, building...
1: Absolutely. Sometimes a cold call works, you know, especially for curators and like, you know, like want to meet up for coffee. Just shoot an email. You never know what
2: happens. Yeah. I, I I, loved my time, my tenure being a residency fellowship artist because you you just get to build this community over time. And it's so interesting to see how that community over time can overlap and intersect, right? Yes. Take for instance, when I did Next Haven, one of my closest friends was Vincent Valdez. And from that experience, we were in the same cohort. From that experience, I ended up having an exhibition with Vincent's gallery the following year. You were a cohort the year after me. And I think you've probably written the most concise... Delicious. Decadent.
1: <laughs> Say more. <laughs> Thank you.
2: Beautiful. <laughs> Spectacular. Keep going.
1: It was an honor, honestly. Okay, I know we're gushing, but <laughs> it was an honor to write about Jeffrey's work for Lima Mopin for a show curated by Teresita Fernandez. And just to um, Eyes of Their Skin and, you know, to have this opportunity. Um, and going back to you, Alyssa, thinking about mentors who you know, been a part of my career along the way. I will shout out Teresita. See him here. Yeah. Literally. She's, you know, always been one to, like, kind of push me out there and help support me. Yeah. Um, so she's yeah, been so wonderful. That's,
2: that's another example of how not just this this broader conversation about how the impact of residencies happen, but I think also this intergenerational conversation that I really Absolutely. admire about... Next Haven. I'm going to shout out Next Haven a little bit more. He is one of my closest friends in the world, Merrick. He was hey. Next Haven cohort one. Yes. Right. I can call an American and say, hey, 1 a.m., I'm in trouble. I need help. What are you doing? And he's like, I'm outside of your door right now. <laughs> yeah. But it's been interesting to see how over the years this idea of community builds. Right. And in this, i i don't know if altruism purely exists, but just to see people there for one another in an industry that can be at times super isolating and not the most healthy it's it's really exciting to see how people over time and not and not just residency programs also exhibitions right talks uh you know I have people in the audience that are from the Bahamas who should be boot sitting there. <laughs> selling art I don't know why they do, but <laughs> to see I'm you grateful support they, uh, you you know and friends from New York who, who show up and so it's, it's amazing it to is see that happen yes uh
1: now we're at the point of the conversation to open it up to you all the audience for a Q&A if any of you have any burgeoning questions to ask any of us please feel free to come up use the mic oh there's a mic there um pass it around it's all good. Um, so, well, I'll ask another question. What kind of art world do we need to thrive? I know, that's a major question. I've thought, but I mean, like, I've been calculating this. I think it's also kind of part of my, I'll say my curatorial practice. I feel like at a time I'm an art maker, yeah. too. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: but I need a more equitable yeah. space. And I try to do that mm-hmm. as best I can. Mm-hmm. Um with how I curate and engage artists and also other curators or the collaborators or the creatives, um, you know, working with museums moving forward. Mm -hmm. Um, We're working to build the data to show what it's like to actually work in institutions, museums Mm -hmm. from the bottom to the top, you know, showing the data of, are you making enough? What's your income? Mm. What's the real income? Are you happy working at your institution? Are you, you know, enjoying the work you're doing? And uh, we just released our data, um, data in October, and we're going to do another round this coming year.
2: So mm. powerful. I I I love this question. I I think for me, I don't I don't know if I necessarily have an answer for this, but. The thing that immediately jumped to the forefront of my mind is what kind of art worlds do we need, right? Yes. Because I think expanding the lexicon beyond a singular perspective, right? Allowing space beyond the art fair, beyond the A-list, beyond the blue chip, right? Beyond the gallery system. How do we allow artists who are primarily selling from internet, artists who run their own studio practices, artists artists who don't have a financial market, right? Artists who work in public space, right? So learning to to see to be more along a line of equilibrium and less hierarchical, I think, is the way that I'm Thank you. I That's love that. That's where my
1: I love that response. Yeah. The art worlds and what we're which art worlds are you engaging with? Oh, Alyssa.
3: Um, I would just add, it's super simple, but just transparency. Like, say what you mean to me. I'm a super, like, straight shooter. I feel mm. like there's so much unnecessary. Sometimes
1: the dance within the art system <laughs> yeah. is a little too much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so yes. Being kind of blunt, straight to the point. Let's get it done. Let's work it. Yeah. And also just, like... If you're working with an artist
3: just tell them what's going on like what <laughs> you know
1: transparency like, yes yeah. it's a major one so we have i think our final question
4: yes thank you hi uh hello hi uh, i really really love this conversation my name is cheryl finley and uh, i'm a friend of next haven and uh, but the question I have um, is is about um, mentorship, and and maybe gets back to this notion of ecosystems and worlds, um, because I think that in order to really strengthen and make the the worlds that we want, that we desire, that we're, we we want to be a part of, um, it does have to do with mentorship. And you've talked about people like Teresita Fernandez who have mentored you, and and also the way Next Haven has. Um, uh, you know, influenced your own practice the way other artist residencies globally have influenced your practice. And I want to know who are you mentoring now today? Um, because it's intergenerational. It Absolutely is an intergenerational is. enterprise, the ecosystem. Thank you. Marissa? Yeah. Uh, I will answer this because um,
1: <laughs> actually, so I, anytime I, so anytime I have a colleague reach out to me and Asked to um, connect with a young artist or curator i am always yes i'm always as much as i can i can be yes via email or zoom just a coffee sometimes if we're in the same city um, and there's actually one young person in la that i recently met they work at lacma i believe they work in um, programming but they're interested about curating they don't come from a background of art I didn't come from a family or background of art. So just kind of giving them that knowledge. And that is how I feel like the equity is being built, sharing that knowledge of like how to access, access certain spaces and ecosystems, worlds, like what's it like to come to a fair? Yeah. What's it like to go to a VIP opening? How do you do those dances that you're not taught in grad school or you just learn along the way? So we had a great discussion about what it is to be in the art world, all the types of art worlds there are. And for me, there's no hierarchy. For me, I see them as horizontal. And I like to access them at different times, different points, different ways. So trying to encourage them to find what works for them. Because maybe the Getty Ivory Tower, maybe it's for them. It could be. It could be fabulous, But also you know, the La Plaza Cultural Center in LA could also be for them. So whichever institution they're looking to get into or however they want to manifest it, that's what I try to encourage and um, always open to connecting.
3: Yeah, um, similarly for me, A lot of people reach out to me, like, email, Instagram, um, like, young artists, a lot of times students. Um, I used to be, like, a professor of painting one, um, which I I love so much. Um, But now that that I'm not teaching, um, yeah, every time somebody, like, wants to talk to me, I feel very honored to give any kind of advice I can. Like, I also don't come from, like, an art family or, you know, background. Um, So... I, you know, it's something I wish I could do more of as well. I feel like I still have more, like, more years, so I feel like I could be, like, a true <laughs> like, mentor. Um, but, yeah, I feel, like, super honored to, like, just, yeah, give space and time to people, like you were talking about. And, um, yeah,
1: yeah. Also, I will say, Alyssa, like, you've shared knowledge, especially about painting a technique with me, um, so that's like a form of mentorship. You know, I don't, my background is art history. I'm not a maker per se, but you shared like, you know, along with John about color <laughs> theory, you know, getting more into the depths of that, especially within your work.
2: Yeah. I, I would be, I would be remiss if I would not honor the Next Haven mentorship apprenticeship program that was one of my favorite parts of Next Haven. I had the great honor and privilege of spending a year and a half with M.A. Mulangola. That man is going to change the world. You mark my word. He, so I spent 18 months with him because my cohort was the pandemic year where we got extended for another six months. And he, just this brilliant young man and I learned fastly that I can't project my my sense of vision onto him instead I need to meet him where he's at and so as a part of the apprenticeship as a part of the fellowship at Next Haven each studio artist is each fellow curatorial and studio is paired with one apprentice and we have a certain amount of hours that we have to spend with them every week and our relationship moved from me trying to teach him art skills into me just trying to be a big brother to him, almost. And during the time that we were together, he got accepted into college. And he's in he's in his sophomore year doing extremely well on a full ride. And we continue to develop a relationship together. That's M.A., and I would also be remiss if I wouldn't shout out my studio assistant, who's in the audience here with us. And I met him on the basis of work, right? And Kyle Warner, also look out for him, artists to watch. And I think that our relationship extends beyond just a transactional relationship of, I pay you money, you make work for me, right? Sometimes he's teaching me stuff. <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah, so. So really thinking beyond the top down, you know, bottom upness of it, but also thinking about who do I pull up as I come up in the world.
1: Absolutely. And shout out to our Next Haven high school apprentices, current and past. They're absolutely amazing. Woo-hoo! So um, that is the time we have. So thank you, Jeffrey and Alyssa. And thank you to thank the you. audience. For thank coming you. Thank you.
4: Appreciate it. Have a blessed day. Thank you.